0: And gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Mm, mm, mm. Hi, I'm Orlando Eastwood, director of On the Road, The Search for Bigfoot, and you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show. are listening to aaron's horror show and i'm your host aaron frail we get to read fiction on the show and talk about some movies books you name it if you like what i do here please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash aaron frail you'll get some books and other cool stuff for your support go ahead and also reach out to me at aaron's horror show at gmail.com aaron horror show on twitter or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. Today, we have the part three of the Turisticu Chronicles. This one is called Hayden's Mistake. All right, thank you for listening, and enjoy. Hayden's Craft landed on Tech 2 platform on the ocean. Tech was the wealthiest city of Nigromoto, and the landing platform was the largest on the entire planet. At a few hundred kilometers long and 100 wide, it handled all the off-world transport. Every commercial, civilian, and military craft landed in different sections of the mega-platform. It was the largest structure on the planet and its silver sheen could be seen from orbit. Freighters packed with the black, decran ore were lined in rows waiting for their military escorts for their trip into space. Frigates and squadrons of fighters flew in formation around each freighter. Since humans had spread to over 300 systems, the energy requirements for civilization required more than a star could produce. Decrin could generate 1,000 times more power than solar panels could collect. The human race was powered by Dekrand, and Hayden was here to protect it. Hayden was packed into a troop transport with several of his brothers and sisters in arms. A quick-release belt kept him from being tossed from his seat when they dropped from orbit. His troop was a mean-looking bunch with scars in the eyes of soldiers who had seen too much. Their power armor made them look larger than life. However, since they weren't wearing their helmets, their heads looked small compared to their bodies. Sarge's suit clanged against the metal floor as he stomped through the troops. Underneath the armor, Sarge was bald, built, and mean-looking. He was almost more intimidating without battle gear. Everybody suit up! Sarge yelled. You think you're here for a vacation? We're here to work! Hayden fumbled for his helmet and he wasn't as quick to gear up. Sarge spotted his fumble and put his face close to Hayden. What's the matter, babyface? You need your mom to help dress you? Everyone called Hayden babyface, partially because he looked like he should be in a boy band, and also because he was the new guy. No one liked him, but he knew it was more because he hadn't earned their respect yet. Until he had a chance to prove himself, he would be the butt of their jokes. No, sir, Hayden said. There's no excuse for this recruit not to be ready, sir. Recruit? Sarge laughed. You're still in boot camp? Last I heard, you were a soldier. Sarge narrowed his eyes and came close, so close, that Hayden could smell the tobacco on his breath. Hayden didn't flinch and looked at Sarge in the eyes. So why don't you act like a soldier? Sarge said formally. Sir, yes, sir. Hayden put on his helmet. He connected the breathing tube to the filter mounted in his chest the heads-up display in his field of vision ran through checks of various ocular enhancements built into the eyepieces after they were all in their power armor they looked inhuman they had large black eyes and a tube leaning from their mouth like a gas mask from ancient times he hadn't understood why the other species called soldiers in their body armor They were a fierce group to behold. The troop transport landed with a loud clank. Sarge screamed at them. They all clicked the release of their belts and jumped to their feet. The hatch in the back opened, and they all ran to the platform. From the ground, the landing platform was large, flat plain of metal in every direction. In the area around Hayden, there were swarms of troops, hover tanks, fighters, spider walkers, disc rovers, and every military equipment imaginable. commercial and civilian parts of the platform were too distant to see. Sarge lined up the troops for inspection. His commanding officer, Colonel Dodgery, came shortly after and said, at ease. The men and women of the squad relaxed. The red haired officer walked slowly through the ranks. He wasn't wearing power armor and was dwarfed by the suited soldiers around him. He pulled a tiny piece of decran from his pocket. It was no larger than his fingertip, but Hayden could see his muscles straining to hold it up even though his face doesn't register the burden. Can anyone tell me what this is? Decron, sir, Hayden said, and the other soldiers laughed. Did I say you can laugh? Colonel dodgery said, and the others became rigid. Sure, that's what the lab coat jockeys call it, but to us, it's the heart of the civilization. Every member of your family enjoys their lifestyle because of this rock. Why are you here, soldier? Uh, to protect the Decron, Hayden postulated. "'You're here to protect our way of life. "'It's not like the soft inner planets. "'Out here in the frontier, you are the law. "'Have you ever seen a man bleed out?' "'Only in simulations, sir.' "'Jenkins!' "'Yes, sir,' Tomahawk said. "'He was nicknamed after the weapon he had in his bunk "'that he claimed could be traced way back to his ancestors on Earth. "'It was a reminder that he came from a long line of warriors. "'The military was the only life he had known.' and the only life he cared about. After the Liberation Wars, he was given some property on Earth and a retirement settlement to last him a lifetime. He re-enlisted the next day. Have you ever seen a man bleed out? Yes, sir. Where did it happen? Few clicks northeast of here. What did you do? Everything in my power to save him, sir. What happened? He died from his wounds, sir. What did you do after that? My job, sir. And what is your job? To protect our way of life. This is not a simulation. We are not on a civilized planet. We are on the border of the treaty zone. You may feel like you're at home when you're in the walls of tech, but rest assured there are rebels, hostile aliens, and creatures who don't care one bit about us or the way of life we are trying to protect. We live on the edge so others don't have to. We are not guarding your mother's flower garden. We are protecting the most important ore in the universe. If a freighter doesn't take off every hour, people will starve. I expect the best. I honor... Those who are better than that. Dismissed! The troop called out their honor cry. Sarge and Colonel Dawdrey walked away. The troop began gathering their gear for the transport. Spider, the communications specialist, turned to Tomahawk. Hey, Tommy, you got his speech memorized yet? "You certainly know your part. Tomahawk gave Spider a rude hand gesture and continued to pack the gear into the floating platform. Hayden turned to Spider. Does he give the same speech every year? Every day is more like it, for each squad of fools like us that ship in from off-world. How many times have you been here? Since the war ended, I'd say five. With a year off here and there, I'm surprised I've made it to home each time. Is it that bad? (laughs) Nigs make a good workforce, but they're tough mothers. Power armor or not, if you turn on back your one, count yourself dead. (laughs) Noted, Hayden said. He heard similar stories and read all the debriefs. The local intelligent species, the Nigromodians, dwarfed humans outside their power armor. They were broad-shouldered and strong. One Nigromodian could flip a hover tank and puncture power armor with a medieval weapon. They were a fierce species, and it was easy to see why. The gravity on Nigromodo was five times Earth's gravity. Most planets had nickel and iron in their cores. Nigromodo had a decorant core. An unenhanced human outside their power armor would barely be able to move. Even with the standard issue muscle and bone enhancements each soldier received in boot camp, a human outside their power armor was sluggish compared to a Negromodian. They pushed their gear in the transport towards the edge of the landing platform. A group of battle mechs towered over them in formation. They were black with the United Planets of Earth colors. Each had a variety of missile, plasma, projectile, and laser weaponry. The mech sat three people inside the armored chestplate. One pilot and two weapons specialists. They were deadly machines, but Hayden didn't like cockpits. He didn't like feeling restricted. While ground soldiers had the highest mortality rate, at least he had the freedom a mech pilot could never have. Hayden grew up in the cramped Los Angeles megacity back on Earth. His father and three brothers all shared a 400 square foot modular apartment. The apartment would convert to whatever space they needed at the time. Beds would descend from the walls at night, showers would sprout in the morning, a living area rose during the day, a dining area shifted from the wall at mealtime. Hayden's life was regulated out of necessity. It was no wonder the three of the four children joined the military. Hayden's oldest brother died in the Liberation Wars. His frigate was caught in the path of the planetary bombardment, his body burnt in the atmosphere of Salax Prime. That left Hayden and his other brother Joshua, who avoided most conflict because he was a mechanic, and Hayden missed the conflict because he was too young. The word ended by the time he could enlist. Hayden's brother back home, Paul, was an English teacher. He took care of their father, who had retired from the desalinization plant after 40 grueling years of hard labor. Most of the muscles and joints were replaced several times from the manual labor. If only his father had access to the enhancements available to military personnel, he could have had a less sedentary retirement. Either way, the arrangement worked out. Paul was never good at sports, always the odd brother out, and didn't mind taking care of their father. It didn't come as a surprise that the family would be eight years away from the congested planet of Earth. His group got to the edge of the platform and Tech 2 Pets spread out before them. The city was alien in its architecture. Unlike humans who built large vertical structures, the buildings were ziggurat shaped and communal. The structures all connected like growths, then like earth buildings that were all separate. Various floating ships, vehicles, and hover disks were buzzing around the city like flies. When humans first arrived on Negromoto, the Negromodians were entering their computer age. The cities were still really small, with no more than 10 million natives at the largest. Hayden even heard rumors that there were still Nigromodians who lived in villages, living the lifestyle of their ancestors. By comparison, there were pockets of humanity who still lived in tribe up until technology swept the planet. The creation of the first Union governments marked the beginning of the end of tribal life. The most breathtaking sight was the wilderness around the city, there was actual uninhabited land. Unlike Earth, where uninhabited land was very scarce and almost always reserved for the ultra-rich, part of what inspired Hayden to sign up for the military was a trip to Colorado with his father and brothers as a boy. Parts of the Colorado Rockies were some of the few public places on Earth with natural wildlife. The parks were tightly regulated, they were monitored by satellite, and the passes visit the park were so rare that people had to wait for a chance to go or have considerable wealth to buy out a person's spot in line. While the passes were only limited to one per family, the nature reserve brokers facilitated the transfer of passes who ran into money trouble before their wait was over. Hayden's father held fast to his pass. Despite the offers and the times where he nearly sold their one and only chance to see the wilderness, his father didn't budge. Seeing the Colorado Rockies was the most memorable moment of his life. Years later, Hayden signed up for foot patrol, if only for the chance to see wilderness again. Here on Nigromoto, as far from civilization as he could get, Hayden might get a chance to walk among the trees. A time spent on lifeless rocks and cramped spaces seemed worth it. The sight before his eyes was an endless expanse of forest. Hayden's first few weeks stationed in tech were about as far from the wilderness as he could get. His troop mostly patrolled the city as a peacekeeping force. There were a variety of different alien species living in the city. Most were those who stayed after the Liberation Wars, and the vast majority was the Negromotans, followed by the humans. Humans spread throughout the galaxy. From the time humans first learned to sail across the ocean, there are always people willing to brave the frontier for a fresh start. Due to the intense natural gravity of the planet, most humans were modified through military upgrades, exoskeletons, or less legal methods. Visitors to Nigromoto could always be spotted in a crowd with the particular type of exoskeletons they wore. Off-worlders were prime targets for crime. Hayden walked Tech's highest market at the apex of one of the city's tallest ziggurats. Unlike human architecture, where the rich and the powerful lived at the top, the Negromodians had all their common areas at the highest level so that the entire populace could enjoy the views. The market was packed with vendors from many different species selling various goods. Hayden saw an off-worlder looking for a few bander carcasses, a small rabbit-like animal that was popular in the local cuisine. He was a tall, lanky baldy man with thin, pinched features. He exuded off-worlder because his exoskeleton was the cheap rental kind. Hayden could see the attack coming. Two thugs, one Negromodian with deep green skin and orange hair, and the other human with a nose that looked as if it had been broken several times, were following the man. They attempted not to be conspicuous, but were clearly closing in for a time to strike the unwary offworlder. Hayden's partner, Firestorm, didn't notice. Hayden took his job patrolling the city seriously. Most of his troop knew their mere presence was enough to deter crime. They had spent days being bored and nights complaining about the lack of action. Sarge, on the other hand, never complained, never said much for that matter. He was a man of simple pleasures. If Sarge had a beer, meat, and cigars, he'd be pleased. Hayden didn't sense Sarge hated conversation, just kept a professional distance from his squad. About two weeks after they had landed, Sarge opened up a tiny crack to Hayden. They were all enjoying a local blend vodka distilled from the root of a tree when Sarge had turned to Hayden and said, You know, I've always wanted a farm. A skyscraper, Hayden began, but Sarge waved his hand. No, no, like a plot of land. Grow things by the light of a local star, maybe raise some cattle. Hayden didn't know how to respond. Farming had only been done in skyscrapers through mirrors bouncing the sunlight. The land was too scarce and valuable to waste on growing food. Only the super-wealthy ate sun-grown vegetables. Most of Earth subsisted on replicated nutritional substance from recycled waste. Hayden wondered if half the appeal of going to a far-off planet like Nigromoto was the fact that everything here was grown. Replicators were the rare technology. But there is more to Sarge's words than owning a farm as a business opportunity. He seemed far away when he made that statement. The moment passed, and Sarge was back to himself, and man with a rich full laugh, who was not afraid to enjoy life. The men were at ease around Sarge, but Hayden knew there was something else within him, something that he didn't let the troops see. The off-worlder walked away from the bander stand and walked near a stairwell leading down from the market. The two thugs surrounded the man and forced him down the stairs. The Necromodian had something in his pocket pressed against the off-worlder's back. Two o'clock, Hayden said to his partner. What? she said. Those three going down the stairs. I think they're kidnapping him. I don't see what Hayden knew. If he didn't act quickly, the man would be lost. He took off running. The people of the market split ways for him. He heard whispers of touristicu from the people around him. Babyface, wait! Firestorm yelled. Damn noob! Hayden dashed down the stairs, two to three at a time. On Earth, his power armor would have made him a superhuman. On Nikomoto he was just like everyone else. He tripped on the last step and tumbled to the ground. His metal armor clanged as he rolled to a halt into the side of a building, cracking the brickwork and ruining the stucco-like substance coating the wall. The three men turned to Hayden as he forced himself up. The human with a crooked nose and the offworlder looked surprised. Hayden turned to face them and the Negromodian ran. Hayden saw Firestorm leaping down the stairs and decided to chase the Negromodian. Hayden yelled and he shoved the man with the broken too often nose towards her and ran down the street. The Negromodian was fast. They ducked through the side streets, the alleyways, down more stairs, past crowds of people. The buildings of the city reminded Hayden's of Earth's Middle Eastern culture. There was various shades of tan and large support beams, like the traditional homes in ancient America's Southwest. The people were peaceful, slow-moving, and the chase through their streets created calamity. Hayden bumped into a fish fender, and his fish toppled into the street. Hayden could swear he heard the man yell, "Teristicu," followed by a foul language. He chased the alien into a larger square, where some local performance was happening. There was a wash of green faces. Each wore a variety of animal skin. Several key dancers had animal masks representing predator and prey. Other more abstract masks represented air, land, and sea. They were chanting a song, slow rhythmic chant. The dirge swelled as it progressed. The Negromodians stomped their feet and roared from the gut. It was primal and powerful, yet delicate and graceful. He could see the hunter infused with the balance of nature in their spirit. There was a respect and reverence in the display. Had Hayden come across the dance in different circumstances, he would want to stay and watch. However, Hayden was on a mission, and his duties ranked far above sightseeing. He switched the auto-tracker from the large black eye plates to bio-monitoring. There was a Nigromodian hiding in the dance with a heartbeat much faster than the others. It was a, an erratic cacophony of being chased after and running for his life. Unlike the dancers, whose hearts seemed to beat in unison, as if they were all connected to each other, like they were the soul of the planet. Hayden broke through the dancers, and a large Negrimodian stood in his way. Why do you bother us, Turisticu? This is a peaceful demonstration. You have a criminal hiding within your spectacle. He could be armed. The only crime is the Turisticu lack of respect for our ways. Hayden thought the man would put up more of a fight, but he whistled, and the ceremony stopped. Each dancer looked nervously towards Hayden. They parted in ways, and aliens who had run from Hayden was sprawled on the ground, panting. He turned to his kind and pleaded, "'Please don't let him take me!' "'Go on,' the ceremony leader said. "'If one Earth brother or sister must die so the village may thrive, then he will give his life.' Please, the alien cried, I've done nothing wrong! The dancers turned their backs on him as he scrambled from dancer to dancer. Hayden approached the man and pulled out a pair of energy cuffs. After the man was cuffed, Hayden dug into the man's coat. There wasn't a gun in the coat, it was a bottle. A local beverage. Let this be a lesson, you, the ceremony leader said, and turned his back on Hayden. What the hell is this? Sarge held the confiscated bottle of Jajenga berry wine out in front of him. Hayden and Firestorm sat in front of Colonel Dodry's desk while Sarge paced back and forth between them. The Colonel sat back and eyed the pair. Outside his armor, Heldon felt the pull of gravity and was amazed that the Colonel and Sarge didn't seem to let it hold them back. There are many hunting trophies along the wall. In Colonel Dodgery's office, there were heads stuck in endless roar. They are an empty plaque for a stuffed Kirkshek beast head. The Jajunga Berry, sir? Hayden said. The Jajunga Berry was a fruit, quite harmless to the Negromodians. However, when fermented, it caused powerful hallucinations in humans. The local government banned the beverage after a few too many instances of off-worlders going crazy in public. Sarge leaned close. The smell of cigars almost overwhelmed Hayden. And are we here to enforce local laws? Uh, n- no, sir, Hayden said. We're here to protect our, our, our way of life, sir. So why the hell are you causing an incident for something that isn't even in our mission? Uh, I have no excuse, sir. You're damn right you have no excuse, Sarge said, it was about to lay into Hayden, but the colonel waved him off. I think your performance was commendable. Colonel Daugherty said, however misguided. Firestorm visibly relaxed. Hayden was more afraid of the punishment from Firestorm than Sarge or the Colonel. Sarge would give him grueling workout routines, extra duty, the worst jobs possible. Firestorm, however, would turn the rest of the unit against him. He would be the one who dragged the rest of them down. It just depended on if the Colonel was offering punishment disguised as a reward. "Uh, Sir, Hayden said. You spotted a junga transaction with no prior experience or foreknowledge. The local authorities have been looking for these two for quite some time. It-, it was Luxor, Hayden always erred on humbleness. It was more than luck, you have intuition. You can't train natural instinct no matter how hard you try. Consider this your notice. We're sending you two to one of our mining operations. Sir, Hayden said. You heard the man, Sarge yelled. Sir, yes, sir, Hayden said. Good. Your unit ships out at 0800 tomorrow. Dismissed! Colonel Dodgery waved them out from his office. On their way out, Firestorm pulled Hayden aside. I hope you're satisfied. He could read it on her face. He may have escaped the wrath of the Colonel, and maybe even the wrath of Sarge, but Firestorm wasn't about to forgive him. They were about to leave their duty, which allowed them to let loose at night, where they didn't have to worry about the potential threats from the forest. She was not pleased. The troop would also not be pleased. He could read it in her eyes. Only fools left the safe walls of tech to go into the woods. All right, so that is the first chapter of Hayden's Mistake. Go ahead and, uh, tune in next time for, uh, more, uh, Touristic Chronicles, uh, you know, movie reviews and, and fun stuff. And don't forget all the other fun stuff we got here on, uh, the Real Paranormal Activity Network. And, uh, Yeah, be careful when you're sampling the local wine. Have a good night.